I got to help kick off the 2023 Milk Business Conference yesterday afternoon here in Las Vegas. And the learning and networking continues this morning. We'll take a look at the dairy markets and hear from two dairy producers that are looking to add to the revenue columns in two very different ways. Live from sunny Las Vegas via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with the conversation with Lucas Boyce from Rabo. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Ken Smith and Darlene Lopez. Directly following the news, Margie Eckelkamp from The Scoop. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, so here it is, November 29th, 2023. What would you guess the, the temperature in Las Vegas is right now? It's got to be about 72 degrees. It's 46. Huh. How do you like that? <laughs> 46. Good grief. Yeah, I come all the way out here to Vegas thinking, yeah, you know, it's cold at home. I'll get me a little bit of sun, some warm temperatures. And, yeah, we are headed for a high eh, of 58 today. That's what not was the too one you, bad. What was the one you did in Madison? Was it actually warmer there for that one than it is in oh, Vegas for this one? the World Dairy Expo? That's the one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I think it uh -huh. was in October. <laughs> uh -huh. Hashtag irony. <laughs> That's exactly right. A great crowd out here in Las Vegas for the 2023 Milk Business Conference. Kicked it off yesterday with a panel discussion about what's going on in the markets and on the policy front. Boy, you want to talk about a group that is interested in policy and farm bill. This is a group, and it comes down to a couple of very important issues. Uh Let's call it three issues. Trade. They're very interested in, in trade policy. Uh, yeah, I'm going to call it immigration policy, but instead it's more farm, farm labor policy and making some adjustments there to make it easier to get farm labor uh, in, in from other countries. And, um, and, and then, of course, the farm bill and what it means for the federal milk marketing order and some other issues, the dairy margin protection program and, and so on. So a, a very interesting group, very talkative group that, uh, uh, you know, I knew it was going to be Davis. This mm -hmm. is, this is one of my favorite conferences and, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, it's because of the people that attend their, their networking abilities and willingness to talk and share is just, off the charts. So that's outstanding. Glad to hear it. Yeah. A lot of fun out here. All right. Let's get to the news. What do you got, buddy? Chip, the U.S. dollar sank to a three month low on Tuesday after U.S. Federal Reserve Governor Christopher Waller flagged the possibility of lowering the Fed policy rate in the months ahead if inflation declines further. The dollar has retraced the majority of the August October spike as global markets continue to embrace the idea that the Fed is not as hawkish as previously feared that the U.S. economy is beginning to slow and the chances for a hawkish surprise from the Fed continue to decline. Chip, the dollar index dropped uh, about a half a percentage point and fell below 103 for the first time since August 14. Yeah, it, 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 Davis, it was only two weeks ago that we were watching the dollar spike out above 106 one in, yep. in into the 107 range, and here we are back at 103. So... Uh, a lot of volatility in the greenback right now. Chip, USDA's Emergency Relief Program, or ERP, for the year 2022 has been suspended. Now, offices will continue to take applications, but payments will not be processed for the time being. Yeah, it's such a mess, Davis. Everybody that I talk to says, I, and, and, and the bottom line is, and we've talked about it on the show, the 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 formula for calculating payments is picking winners and losers by size of the farm. The smaller mm -hmm. the farm, the bigger the winner. The bigger the farm, the bigger the loser. USDA has announced that the time-limited trial for new swine inspection system plants will be extended for an additional <laughs> 90 days, providing certainty for the pork industry and ensuring participating plants can continue operating at increased line speeds. The National Pork Producers Council 
applauded the announcement. Negotiators from Qatar, Egypt, and the United States are working to extend the truce between Israel and Hamas, which is set to expire in the next 24 hours. President Biden has called for an end to the conflict and criticized Hamas, emphasizing the importance of Israelis and Palestinians coexisting peacefully. The U.S. Department of Transportation Maritime Administration has issued a warning to ship operators about growing threats in the Red Sea, particularly considering recent attacks on commercial vessels navigating the crucial trade route. In other news, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development forecasts global economic growth will slow to 2.7% in 2024 from 2.9% this year before rising to 3% Hmm. in 2025. J.P. Morgan predicts that the U.S. dollar is likely to strengthen due to the potential for a divisive U.S. election contest between President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. The bank believes that such a contest would raise the prospects of a trade war, and investors should pay attention to the impact of potential trade tariffs on currencies. And finally, Chip, China is reportedly exerting pressure on Russia to negotiate more favorable terms for the Power of Siberia 2 pipeline project. This according to the oh. South China Morning Post. The pressure is described as a, at a presidential level. Russia is looking to diversify its nat gas exports as it faces a decline in sales to Europe. Chip. Wow. Uh, yeah, pipeline into China from Russia. That would be it, well, maybe it already maybe there already is one. Uh, do you know, Davis? This I do not know, but it is the power yeah. of Siberia 2 pipeline project. Right. So there may be that, a one. That's what yeah. that what that's what made me hesitant mm-hmm. on this. Okay, we'll look into it. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Yep. All right. Let's bring in Margie Echocamp, editor of the scoop. Good morning, Margie. Good morning, Chip. All right, so here I am at Milk Business Conference. You are at the Ag Retailers Association Convention. What's caught your attention so far? Yeah, there's two big themes that are being teased out at this year's event, and and one is an overall regulatory update. The second is around the business of ag retail, and this really is the, the top networking event for the ag retail industry. Regulatory-wise, folks, um, you know, a pre-conference workshop was held yesterday about the Endangered Species Act and what's moving forward at the EPA regarding the ESA and how retailers can get involved to make that functional for everyone. On the business front, they we also had a pre-conference workshop yesterday about IT and the technology that ag retailers are using, how they can help farmers do better with their own analytics and also business excellence. One overarching theme, both on the regulatory and business front, would be talent and labor. And so we're learning more about yeah. how to recruit and retain key team members, as well as giving out awards. So MKC, Mid-Kansas Co-op, just received the Retailer of the Year Award, and we will have ongoing coverage across our social media and website. Fantastic. Isn't that something? You're at the Ag Retailers, and labor issues are one of the top priorities. I'm at the Milk Business Conference, and labor is one of the top issues and priorities. it, It is across agriculture now. Margie, good stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Chip. You bet. Margie Camp, editor of The Scoop. We've got Lucas Voice from Rabo Research next. The Scoop on Agritalk is brought to you by Tyrannus, moving the acre forward. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com. Every acre tells a story, but to hear it, you need the right tools. Tyrannus Acre Forward Intelligence turns leaf-level data into actionable insights. Read your fields from the palm of your hand. Make decisions with more certainty and speed than ever before. And have a more informed discussion with your retailer to preserve your hard-earned farm legacy, season after season. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com. We're not saying Bravant Seeds could beat every seed brand out there. We're just saying that a new way of doing things backed by constant innovation. Over 100 years of ag experience, science and service, one of the world's largest libraries of corn germplasm and utilizing the expertise that can only come from local ag retail has led Bravant Seeds to average more bushels per acre than the competition every year we've sold seed. That's all. Bucking the status quo. That's the Bravant Seed Standard. 
Advanced Acre RX from Winfield United is the full-season agronomic prescription program that's got farmers talking, providing extra protection through a service warranty, making yields more uniform over time. The Advanced Acre RX program is turning risk into reward. To hear what farmers have to say, visit winfieldunited.com slash AARX. Agreement is required and conditions, restrictions, and service fees apply. Percentage goals for the APH crop yield range from 95 to 105% for corn and 95 to 100% for soybeans. Due to factors outside of Winfield United's control, results to be obtained cannot be predicted or guaranteed by Winfield United. Results may vary. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. We know this past year has been challenging in many ways, but as agriculture continues to adapt, we are right there with you. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Join me each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. Hey, y'all, I'm Kelly Clarkson. Every American dreams of creating a better life for his or her family, but in some communities, those dreams face difficult challenges. When we come together to help those in need get the same opportunities as everyone else, we truly are making our country a better place to live for all of us. So look for volunteer opportunities in your community to help others achieve the American dream, all right? This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Snakes. Zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Advanced Acre RX program from Winfield United. To hear directly from farmers how Advanced Acre RX helps you get the most out of your season, visit winfieldunited.com slash AARX. Welcome back to AgriTalk. We are in Las Vegas for the 2023 Milk Business Conference that is presented, of course, by Farm Journal's Milk, and glad to be here. Part of the uh, uh, Lucas Fees, the senior dairy analyst for Robo Research, is out here in Vegas as well, and uh, we welcome him to the show right now. Lucas, welcome to AgriTalk. Thanks for having me. Good to be here, and good to be in Vegas this week. Yeah, I wish the weather was a little warmer. I don't know. I was uh, home at my uh, home dairy farm in Syracuse, New York for Thanksgiving, and yeah. I was happy to get out of there before they got two feet of snow yesterday. So <laughs> I'm not going to do too much complaining here. No, I don't blame you. That lake effect snow is kicking in and kicking in in a big way right now, isn't it? <laughs> That's true. It It is that time of year. So uh, yep. sunny Vegas, and uh, hopefully any other trips will be nice this winter. <laughs> Yep. Perfect. Perfect. All right, Lucas, I, I know that you've got a new report out that you've done for Rabo Research, but I want to talk about the milk markets first, because obviously for the attendees out here at Milk Business Conference, uh, the milk market margins and a lack of positive margins for many producers out here is the number one concern that they've got for the year ahead. What are the primary drivers in the class three milk market right now? Yeah, great question. And one I think that, as you said, is on everyone's mind here at this milk business conference. You know, it was it was quite struggling uh, to see that 1377 class three price back in July. That yeah. marked our 2023 low. We've kind of recovered a little bit since then, but as you said, really not into any sort of territory that equates to positive margins or decent profitability for dairymen. And, you know, as we talk here at the end of November, one big holiday behind us and a few more coming up, usually at this point in the year into Q4, we have cheese prices that are seasonally much higher yeah. than where they are right now. It's, uh, it's pretty tough to see, um, you know, these, these poor prices. So when I look at the drivers, I think about um, um, largely from the demand side, I think. You know, milk production in the U.S. has been lower versus prior year for four consecutive months now. So 
it's certainly not a uh, oversupply issue. You know, we're not hugely burdensome on milk. So I'm mm-hmm. a little bit worried about kind of the health of the consumer and overall cheese demand here into this uh, key holiday season. I think if we look ahead into 2024, you know, our forecasts do call for a little bit more strength in these cheese markets. But um, overall, it's, uh, it's we continue to see more supply come on and and uh, it's, we're just waiting for a little bit of a market correction here in the near term months. OK, uh, the the conversation that we had yesterday on the panel to kick the event off, it, it was we talked about how strange the makeup of the market is this year, because it, at, at times we've had record uh, butter prices. And as mm-hmm. you just talked about. We've been dealing with a cheese market that doesn't want to respond to the seasonals like it has in the past. It's a difficult market to figure out right now, isn't it? It really is. And, um, you know, when when we look at all of those components in October, the class four premium over class three was the third highest on record. So that just kind of shows us how kind of disjointed all of these markets are. Yeah, we had butter, as you said, at another all-time record high here in this country and, you know, really holding on to that $3 plus market for about four or five weeks there. And even something like nonfat dry milk, you know, it's not impressively expensive or or we're not at really high levels there, but we have seen some low and steady growth, both of those supporting the class four market. Yeah. Same okay. when you think about, oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask, what do you think of the the structure of the class three milk market right now? The bear spread market, back months trading at a premium to the nearby contracts. What does that tell you? Is that supply driven? Yeah, I think there is, you know, always a little bit of worry about um, milk supply into the near term months here. As we flip into the calendar year, we're, we're already seeing milk growing in most parts of the country as we advance towards that spring flush there. So I think um, that coupled with a little bit more cheese supply, um, expansions and processing capacity, there's really not a lot of factors here that are kind of driving buyers to lock in any product. There are really not many hugely kind of bullish features here in the cheese market. Um, And then just one other thing that's on my mind too, kind of about this complex between cheese and, and butter powder you know, depending on where a dairy farmer is in the country, their milk checks might be kind of pretty vastly different depending on if you're in a class three region or a class four heavy region. So it creates a little bit of regional disparity here, too, when yeah. I talk to some of these uh, folks at the Milk Business Conference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you can see that they understand it, why that difference is there. But I don't think anybody likes it likes the fact that that difference exists the way that it does right yeah yeah i think i think that's a fair fair assumption um yeah you know we it's uh it'll be i i think overall when i look ahead to 2024 um mm-hmm. on on kind of an all milk basis or or an average basis there is some optimism here uh, I think that, you know, at Rabble Bank, we'll release our new uh, quarterly report next week with our updated forecast. And that'll show, for the most part, a little bit of a better uh, outlook into 2024 versus what we okay. saw this year. But, yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's kind of tough here as we're just kind of spinning the wheels and, and yeah. waiting for kind of some sort of factors to really, uh, really drive these markets a little bit higher. Oh, okay. Yeah. Real quick, with that in mind. Should producers be playing defense right now on their risk management, or is it time to carry a little bit more risk in the cash market? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a good strategy is always to kind of diversify uh, uh, exactly how much milk you're locking up. If if you're looking at futures prices or futures curves and see maybe a little bit of some tolerable prices, it might be okay to lock up some, but I am a little bit optimistic uh, overall. You know, there's, there's no supply growth in, in any of the key regions around the world. So we're really not oversupplied on milk on a global basis like we are so often talking about. Right. That gives me a little bit of hope and optimism into next year. Okay. All right. Excellent. 
Uh, your latest report, U.S. Dairy's Journey Toward Meeting Sustainability Goals. Uh, tell me about it. What uh, what inspired the the research and what are the, some of the conclusions? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, sustainability, uh, a huge topic and one that has, I think, probably a different definition to everyone listening yeah. here. Uh, overall, you know, sustainability and, and both the challenges and also importantly, the opportunities that come with it are, are something that we are going to be working with in dairy um, into the future. It's not something that's going away. And I think, you know, as, as tough as some of this stuff is to look at, at the challenges that are out there and what needs to be done and, and making sure that we're the most environmentally friendly, which you know, so many farmers would say that they are as stewards of their land. I think that with some of these new programs that many of which offer some revenue potential, uh, there's some really big opportunities for farmers uh, into the future here, whether it's, you know, driving revenue from manure via digesters, uh, whether it's kind of looking at, um, you know, various other things that related to the animal that producers can start to do and possibly even get a premium for in their milk. Uh, there's just kind of lots of conversations happening around exactly how all this plays out. Right. Uh, some of my conclusions, as you asked, I think, yeah. you know, a lot of this is um, driven by kind of various funding from kind of state or national government sources. I, I think that that needs to continue in the near term until it's more economically sustainable as well. Um, eventually, we have to get to a point where the cost of anything is kind of uh, distributed by those yep. who are demanding it, and it it kind of can't fall on the backs of farmers to solve all of this. Uh, and, Amen. and I'm encouraged by the conversations that are happening across the entire value chain at this point. So, a lot more to unfold in the future years, but something we'll be watching uh, pretty closely here. Yeah, yeah. the The whole sustainability picture depends on the effort being economically sustainable as well if it's not the most efficient way of producing the product it's going to be really really tough to get widespread adoption right exactly exactly economic yeah. sustainability is a a kind of big portion of the whole picture there and i want to make sure that that people keep that in mind as we look towards the environmentally sustainability uh parts of the equation too all right Good work, Lucas. Thank you so much. Have fun in Vegas. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Good to have me. You bet. That is Lucas Fees. He is the senior dairy analyst for Rabo Research. When we come back, we're going to get the Farmer Forum going. Ken from Virginia, Darlene from California, next here on AgriTalk. To be a farmer is to be an eternal optimist, trusting in the certainty of the seasons. Where launching into new frontiers enables us to find new yields. Commodity Classic is where you'll connect with progressive farmers from around the world, just like you. And together, we'll explore new frontiers in agriculture. Join us in Houston, February 28th through March 2nd, 2024. Houston, we have no problem. Discover more at CommodityClassic.com. Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer Editor Brian Grady Beach. Uh, when I take a look at the, the big mover in the grain complex, wheat. Wheat's got a nice recovery going today. What's happening? Yeah, so HRW contracts are leading us to the upside chip. And, and uh, uh, you know, the, while the uh, the crop conditions have improved through fall, um, there, are, there are some concerns there, especially with the HRW crop. And, and I think that that's just given us enough to encourage some corrective buying at this point in time. A uh, little bit lighter strength in the SRW market mm -hmm. and the spring wheat market as well. Um, but that's helping to spill over to corn and, and corn starting to find some buyer interest. Okay. And, and that's been 
been rare here recently. Uh, we, yeah. We've seen nothing but uh, price pressure recently. And, and uh, so just a little bit of corrective buying in the corn market. Yeah, the way that this March corn contract is going to trade around the 475 area, it's going to tell us a lot about this whether or not this market's going to be able to hold in or not right yeah well and seasonally now's the time when uh, the corn market typically uh, puts in a low and and yep. if we haven't gotten one by now and, and so uh everything's kind of lining up for maybe the corn to, right. to make a little bit of a move up right meal leading the pressure in the soy complex down call it three to five and a half dollars here but let's make the move over to the livestock trade mostly positive numbers yeah, so big moves up yesterday, uh, just huge moves uh, led by the feeder cattle, and they're leading strength across the livestock sector this morning. Uh, it took a while to get going, but uh, we are seeing moderate strength here at mid-morning now in feeder cattle. Uh, lighter lighter strength in the live cattle market, uh, being somewhat held by, back by the fact that uh, cash cow trade so far this week has been roughly $1 to $2 lower than last week. And then hog futures uh, trying to work to the upside aside from the December contract. Good stuff. Thanks, Brian. Pro Farmer Editor, Brian Grady. <coughs> Hello? Man, where are you? I thought you were coming. I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. <coughs> the flu? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma's about to crowd, sir. Man, I'll call you back. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. AgriTalk is brought to you by Bravant Seeds. You want someone who knows how to do the whole job. That's what ag retailers do. That's why Bravant Seeds are available only through retailers. Find yours at bravant.com slash retail. All right. Welcome back to AgriTalk and... Uh... Milk Business Conference 2023 out in Las Vegas. We've got a couple attendees of Milk Business Conference with us for this week's Farmer Forum. Let's start with Ken Smith with Moo Through Ice Cream out in Virginia. Ken, welcome to the Farmer Forum. How are you? I am great, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the invitation to uh, have an opportunity yeah. to speak and, and, and talk about the dairy industry. You bet. Glad that you're here. Darlene Lopez with Tony L. Lopez Dairy out in California is also with us. Darlene, welcome to AgriTalk. Thank you for having me. All right. Excellent. Let's, uh, Ken, let's start with you out in Virginia. Tell me about the dairy operation. We'll get around to move through, but tell me about the dairy operation. Well, uh, I'm, I'm proud to talk about that because we really got a good herd of cows. Uh, they're, they're running between 32 and 33,000 pound herd average and are, we run a 4% butter fat. So we're over almost bridging on 1300 pound of fat. So they, they've really, really performed for us. Uh, we're just about a hundred percent registered, uh, Holsteins and we've worked on genetics for years and years, uh, we started April 4th with a new carousel milk impaler, and this is probably the week from hell, but after that, <laughs> things went along really, really well. But uh, we're really blessed. Uh, we're really, really blessed. We've got a good workforce. We've always had a good workforce. We've never had any labor issues, and uh, wow. we're in a good part of Virginia. We're in the Piedmont section where the, the soil is uh, really good for us. It performs well. We've had some yields over 300 bushel and 37 wow. tons of corn solids. So, uh, holy smokes! But this this year was a real trying year. It uh, really set us back. We haven't had this much dry weather in the last 54 years of being in Virginia. Yeah. Wow. So, who 
is the head of the dairy, Ken? My son, Ben, who I'm proud to say has just won the Young Producer of the yep. Year Award. He runs the dairy completely. He owns the dairy now. And uh, we made that transition. Uh, and it was a work in progress. I, I can tell you uh, it happened really quickly because uh, I don't know whether many people are familiar with uh, conservation easements. But uh, years ago, uh, I put our farm in a conservation easement. And I had a large tax uh, value that I had to take advantage of and mm -hmm. because it expired after 15 years and that time was running out on me. So uh, we had to make that transition, even though I wasn't quite ready because I hate to give up the reins, but it was really time. <laughs> and now uh, since he's had uh, almost two years under his belt, uh, mm -hmm. he's, he is completely running away with it. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds like you're happy now with the situation. Oh, I'm just tickled to death. Good. I, you know, I get to watch the cows and I get to help him make decisions. In fact, you know, uh, it's really, really a pleasure when he asks for my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, most dads will feel that way. Uh, when yep. their sons take hold and all of a sudden they reach back out and said, can you help me make this decision? What do you think about this? Those are real proud moments and real, Real heart-fulfilling moments. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'll bet Darlene has had a few of those as well. Darlene, uh, tell us about the operation out in California. So we're located in pretty much the middle of California, Central Valley. Uh, our children will be the fourth generation uh, dairy farmers on both sides of our family, actually. So um, we started our dairy when we got married. Uh, there was a farm not too far from where his parents lived that came up for sale and uh, we needed a place to live. And so P&D Dairy uh, began. We started with 100 cows back 29 years ago. Then um, as we grew, my grandparents' farm that I grew up on as a child came up for sale. We eventually purchased that mm -hmm. um, and slowly grew to having two smaller dairies. Uh, my husband took care of all the farming on his father's operation. They farmed about maybe about 1,200 acres at that time. Um, he passed away about 10 years ago. And then uh, we then purchased uh, from his mother the farm and decided to keep the name of the operation, Tony Lopes Dairy, um, in his memory. Okay. So we're we're milking about 4,400 cows now, um, on four different facilities. We ship to three different co-ops or three two different co-ops and, and to Saputo. They are not a co-op. Um, okay. So uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and are you still uh, in charge at the dairy? So our son came back in 2018 from college. And okay. has taken over has taken over the genetics and has okay. taken over the feed yard. Um, I run okay. the three smaller farms. My husband takes care of all of the farming. Um, my son kind of oversees a little bit of the larger dairy, and I I'm in there as well. Uh, I handle all of the hiring and firing. I do all the property management. Um, we have a lot of housing. For employees as housing in California has been very hard to, to get. Um, and, you know, just whatever needs to get done, I'm kind of the gopher. Yeah. Here <laughs> and there and everywhere. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so 4,000 Holstein cows, 2,500 head of Angus crossbred cattle, 2,100 acres of feed and small grains and sedan grass and alfalfa. Uh, Ken said that his labor issues have never been anything to to too stressful. What about for you uh, out in California? Well, I mean, 2020 was really hard. Um, you know, as as people were getting paid basically to stay home, almost. I mean, the yeah. government was subsidizing everyone with paychecks. We we did have a struggle at that time. A lot of people were making enough to 
you know, pay their rent and buy food. And so, you know, you had people just like, oh, no, you know, I don't need to work. It's fine. Right. We struggled in 2020. Uh, we actually, the other day, we were sitting around and we realized, you know, we haven't lost anybody all year long. <laughs> um, you know, that hasn't happened in many, many years. I mean, we went just about the whole entire year now without having lost anyone. Um, yeah. I actually have a list in the barn again where people are looking for work. We haven't had lists wow. of people looking for work in, in years. So, um, last Good. year has, has not been too bad. Fantastic. Fantastic. Good for you. We, okay. Let's talk about adding value. Yeah. Let's talk about adding value. And Ken, we'll start with you. It's all about Moo Through ice cream. What what uh, what inspired Moo Through? Well, goodness gracious, you asked me to go back in history a little bit, but we started yeah. this thing. The thought started about in 2007, and then we didn't get the the store first store opened until 2010. We opened June 4th. Um, 2010 and it has constantly grown since then uh we were thinking it was going to be a small shop to employ my daughter and uh some other young kids and it just uh all of a sudden the the people that were traveling south and we're on a we're on a four-lane highway uh we're right at a stoplight there is nothing around me nothing at all and all my friends said you're going to lose your farm and nobody's going to stop here. And what makes you think they're coming to you? And there's nothing to draw them in. And I said, well, it can always be a used car lot. So (laughs) anyway, we got this opened and then uh, people started coming and they just kept coming and coming. And now we're serving about a half a million people uh, at our couple locations. Uh, And then we started franchising about, uh, six years ago, five years ago, and we've been opening a franchise almost every year. Uh, we're not moving too fast because we ended up uh, having to move our ice cream production into an ice cream plant that we built on the farm. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's all of a sudden we're getting close to, we're going to have to modernize the plant now uh, if we're going to grow any faster or grow any more because uh, wow. uh, the girls are working as hard as they can uh, to make ice cream. So yeah. we've been very so, fortunate. Uh, Northern Virginia is a, a densely populated area. Uh, even though it's densely populated, we're able to farm about 3,000 acres. And uh, we have uh, we have real, real reasonable rent, really reasonable compared to a lot of people. And wow. you talk about rents that are $200 an acre and ours run about 70 to $80. So we're oh. really fortunate. Holy smokes, I guess you're really fortunate to go along with those yields that you were talking about earlier. 300 bushel corn and $70 rent sounds pretty good to me, Ken. Well, that's only on the home place. All the rented land doesn't perform. You know, when you don't have the door as as your basis, uh, you know, building organic matter, uh, they all don't yield like that. But we we farm right along the Rappahannock River. Uh, We have right much of river bottom land, which is a big help to us. But uh, we found out 15-inch corn doesn't work in a drought. Uh, and that was a hard lesson for us this year. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. We've got a farmer forum from the Milk Business Conference 2023 going. Uh, Ken Smith from Virginia, moved through ice cream. We heard a little bit of that story there. We'll probably get a little bit more of that. And Darlene Lopez, Tony L. Lopez Dairy out in California. Uh, you heard her mention... The feed yard. We're going to talk about how the Tony L. Lopez Dairy is looking to add value with the genetics on their farm. We'll do that next on the Farmer Forum here on Agritalk. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. My whole identity had been wrapped up in being a soldier. To have that so violently ripped from me when I was wounded, I was lost for a very long time. 
When Wounded Warrior Project came into my life, being around the other warriors, people that had similar experiences that I did, it was a game changer for me. Having King join the group, that was the beginning of a really good friendship. It's a, it's a, it's a good time. I first heard about Wounded Warrior Project through CQ. And at first I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I qualify. But having been a part of it, it's kind of taught me that it's not just the wounds that you can see, but it's those that you can't. When you do something like a peer support group with Wounded Warrior Project and come together from different walks of life, man, the growth is incredible. If not for Wounded Warrior Project, I really don't think that I'd be here today. See how we help warriors combat stigma at woundedwarriorproject.org slash combat stigma. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Kelly Clarkson. And as the daughter of a school teacher, I know just how important education is. No matter how old you are or your situation, continuing to learn will enrich your life and help remove barriers you didn't even know were there. So much opportunity, y'all. Whether it's a foreign language, history, or a different way to look at things, take some time each day to learn something new. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. The Port of Grace Harbor exports about 3 million tons annually. And the expectations are with the expansion that we'll be growing that by about a factor of two. So looking at potentially 6 million tons in the years to come. The United Soybean Board is behind rebuilding the infrastructure system across the United States because it helps us to be more reliable on air infrastructure, moving the soybeans from the farm down to the final customer. As we have increased economies of scale for export and improved infrastructure for bringing soy to elevators and soy meal from the elevator to the port, Investment towards that all means dollars back in farmers' pockets. Learn more at unitedsoybean.org. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. (laughs) Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning. The cap is loose on that catch-up. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. This is Andrew McRae, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in their industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends for grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. I taught for 20 years. Until I started forgetting my lectures. Eventually, he had to quit. Getting his early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard, but it gave us time to take control of the situation together. I can't imagine going through this without him. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? All right. Welcome back to Agritalk and the Farmer Forum. We're in, we are in Las Vegas at the Milk Business Conference. Uh, talking with Ken Smith from Virginia and Darlene Lopes from California. Uh, Darlene, you mentioned earlier your feed yard operation. You're using beef genetics on a certain amount of your your dairy cows tell me about that process and how it works for you 
So we utilize genomics. Um, mm-hmm. So the top 25% of our herd gets bred to the top uh, sex full steam semen. Um, you know, we pick by certain traits. Um, everything else gets bred to beef. Um, you know, depending on where they fall in their genomic testing, I mean, you could have a first lactation animal that that could be getting bred to beef. I mean, not so much as my son has improved our genetics over the years since he's been back. Um, so from that, um, you know, we'll get a beef calf. I mean, we we're making yep. about 2,500 a year. They, we have our own calf barn, but I mean, we only have space for about 500 calves. So we've outgrown that. So the majority of our beef animals get sent to a calf ranch to be raised. And then they come back to us in about 120 days. Um, and from then, you know, we'll raise them until 700, 750 pounds. I mean, we've gone as high as 900. It just depends on what the buyer is looking for at that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you usually go out of state, particularly, I mean, for the most part. Okay. Now, will you take some of those calves to finished weight? So, you know, you'll have your occasional pink eye or, you know, sometimes you've got some droopy ears or crooked crooked head or whatnot so we try to send well we try to send nothing but the best uh you know our name is an important you know the tld beef is in in your reputation is important so we try to send just the best um so yeah we will finish some of those you know once you you know cut their head off it it doesn't you know (laughs) the carcass is what's left and it still grades beautifully um so we have raised quite a few and and sent those to slaughter Now, most of these calves, most of the beef calves are in Angus Cross, correct? Yeah. So we've tried yeah. Charlay. Uh, we've tried, we, we did a little bit of, of Charlay, but we really like the Angus um, coming out of the whole scene. And okay. we've been able to fine tune genetically, you know, what we're looking for and ribeye and, and whatnot. So yeah. that the end product, um, you know, somebody buying our animals, I mean, we've been able to run sometimes a 30% um, prime on wow. some of our animals. and. So, I mean, they're sometimes they're doing even better than the natives. So, um, you know, and that's my son and his genetics and, you know, he's really into that. And Cool. That's fantastic. You know, Darlene and well, and, and Ken too, the dairy industry has always been really known for their emphasis on genetics and genetic improvement, but Darlene, to hear me talk, to hear you talking about the carcass characteristics of those cross calves coming out of your Holstein cows is there's a, there are beef producers, cow calf beef producers out there that think, Hey, as long as I got a healthy one on the ground, that's fine. They don't really think that much about the carcass. You're thinking about the carcass and and the characteristics there. I think that's fantastic. Fantastic. That's where where the money is. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Ken, your your uh, focus on genetics is uh, is is well known as well, isn't it? Well, I, I, we've been very fortunate. And we've been blessed, and uh, some of the you know, it, it, I don't know whether it's luck or it's just the DNA lineup. Some of them have turned out really well, you know. And you get a bunch of offspring out of one cow, and uh, one of them does twelve hundred net merit, and one of them does three hundred net merit. You want you kind of scratch your head and wonder yeah. what is wrong with the DNA lineup of of this three hundred net merit animal and why did the other one perform so well and come up so high? So uh, it's really a guessing game. I'm really uh, enthused for Darlene that she's great. You know, able to grade carcasses of thirty percent in in prime is just nice. amazing. And uh, it is. Uh, you know, we we're all hosting all the way through. Uh, Everybody's asked us if we've thought about using beef sires in the herd, but uh, we have a tremendous demand for replacement animals in our from our herd. So um, we sell out about 200 mature cows, and I say mature cows, two-year-olds and older, uh, out of the herd every single year uh, simply because we have the demand and we're creating an awful lot of offspring. We yeah. use sex semen on, on the uh, open heifers and we use it on a lot of the two-year-olds, uh, first and second service, and some of the high genetic cows we're continuing to use sex semen on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Darlene, what's got you excited about the dairy industry going forward? 
Well, I, I think beef on dairy is, is a new, a new potential game changer. I mean, it's diversifying in, in some respects. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. I mean, California is kind of different as, I mean, we're highly regulated. So we kind yeah. of different, different ball game for us out here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that the, you think that's, yeah, well, I was going to say water's got to be a big challenge for you, but is the regulatory side of things kind of the top of the list on the challenges? Yes, uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's, everything is always changing. I mean, just when you think you got it figured out, you know, yeah. we have some new regulation we have to adhere to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The re- regulations in California is just, really the headache yeah exactly so ken i don't think people are going to give up ice cream anytime soon is that what's got you excited about dairy well you know we we really enhanced the family when we started move through uh and that's what it was about keeping the family home when one of the daughters came home and said i want to come back to the farm i i hate my job as a police officer uh there's so many bad people out there and she just you know she grew up pretty much around the farm and she just wanted to be a part of it and then then, uh, one of my other daughters uh, she was uh, graduating from high school going into college and she got a business degree and she came home and started making recipes and started developing the ice cream business more and growing it Uh, she really enjoyed that part of it good Uh, good and the Mutsu brand has grown through recognition of uh, they did a morning television show uh at, in Washington, uh, at our hey. location. Yeah, guys, really we're out of time. Ken, I we'll get you back on. I want to hear more about it. Ken, Darlene, thank you so much. Have a great time in Vegas. This is AgriTalk. Moving day. A walk for Parkinson's is happening around the country. More than just a walk. Moving Day is a fun experience that unites the community in the fight against Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's doesn't stop, and neither will we. So let's get moving. Join the Parkinson's Foundation to learn more and register for an event in your area at movingdaywalk.org. That's movingdaywalk.org. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail.